This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, the world is full of these kind of things. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations. The incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, we got to go down to the religious supply store. We got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. Do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, how are you doing? It is now time for our next segment on the Nephilim. First off, thank you for joining me for part two. Please be sure to listen to part one, myth or memory, before continuing. We do things in order over here on the Cosmic Peach podcast. And to lay the groundwork for the following episodes, we will be covering the Book of Enoch today. This episode is more controversial, but I will be bringing the cosmic fire to explore the hidden truth behind the Book of Enoch. If you haven't already, please check out the podcumentary for part one, Myth or Memory, on the Cosmic Peach YouTube channel. And as I stated in the previous episode, so many weird things happened to me while trying to find this information. And if you're wondering if I read the Genesis 6 Conspiracy by Gary Wayne, I did. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I did a lot of researching on my own. I read quite a few books and articles, and I dove really deep to find the information that I'm presenting to you in these episodes. And I just had the biggest wave of negative shit come into my life when I started making these episodes. And no bullshit, you guys. I was about to delete them all and just say fuck it. But I knew that this information had to get out. So let's jump right into the episode. Try to have an open mind. And of course, leave a five-star review if you love what I do. And we will jump right into the episode. Here we go. All right, you're back for part two. And I'm so glad you are here because we are going to hit it harder than ever in this next segment of the Nephilim episodes. I'm sitting here with a glass of Chianti. I won this bottle of wine at a Christmas party and I was so excited because I had never tried Chianti. And tell me, who are the savages out there that like this shit? Oh my goodness. Lord have mercy, that is dry. But we are not here to talk about my wine preferences. We are here to talk about the Nephilim. And to touch on where we left off in the last episode, we're visiting different ancient sites from around the world and discovering that there is a commonality between these locations, that being 
the mythos of the Great Flood. And who are these civilizing heroes who went around the entire world seeding this advanced knowledge of architecture, astrology, and agriculture? Who are they? And to answer that question, we do have to go biblical. And I want to ask you the question, do you know what the Nephilim are, or who, rather, the Nephilim are? Nephilim is a term used to describe the offspring of fallen angels and humans. They were an entire race of giants. And at one point, these giants lived among us. I'm going to be taking you back to church tonight. And you don't have to be a holy roller to enjoy this episode. But it has been somewhat of a spiritual awakening for me. Because it makes everything make sense. Every conspiracy theory I've ever covered leads back to the roots of the topic we're discussing tonight, and that is the giants. So, there are a few books that discuss the giants, but what I'm going to be talking about tonight is the Bible and the Book of Enoch. Yeah, yeah. Everyone is catching on to the trend of the Book of Enoch. And what I'm going to present tonight may be completely controversial, but keep this in your back pocket. All theories are just theories until they're not anymore. So what I'm going to do is provide evidentiary support and research to substantiate my claim. And what you want to do with the information after it's been presented is entirely up to you. But let's get right into it. The Book of Enoch. There is a belief that the first book of Enoch may not have been written by the Enoch we thought. There are many discrepancies in the book of Enoch that do not align with the Bible, which is why the book of Enoch is not part of the canon. It is not part of the books of the Bible, and people have debated about this for a long time. Now, could that be for a reason? One of the discrepancies is that right before the flood, the angels go to Noah and tell him he must build the ark. But now in the book of Enoch, the angels actually help build the ark. And that would be a very fallen angel thing to slide in there. Enoch was supposedly so close with God that he was taken up. But we see in the book of Enoch, the fallen angels are somehow still able to persuade him. Why would that be so if he was so tight with God? And we're kind of seeing the development of a different kind of narrative here. We see that Enoch 
almost romanticizes the role of the fallen angels in the book of Enoch. And he actually names the fallen angels more than he does the heavenly angels that stayed with God. And again, is this almost to romanticize or even glorify the fallen angels? Here's an excerpt to make my point. Book of Enoch 8.1 reads, And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. Now, does that sound like something negative to you? Because as sure as shit, he is talking about a fallen angel here. Azazel, who was the commander of the group known as the Watchers. Fallen angels. I'm going to touch on the Watchers in a little bit more detail later on. But now, to make my point a little bit clearer. What we may be dealing with here, with this first book of Enoch is maybe it's been presented to us and unbeknownst to us it has a lot of half-truths in it like a deception that's kind of what we see a lot with these secret societies they offer us half-truths as a deception and a lot of the times we fall for it and speaking of secret societies there is a secret society called the Brotherhood of the Snake. And it is legitimately the oldest secret society. And now get this shit. It was started by Enoch, son of Cain. So, I may make the argument to you that the Enoch responsible for the first book in particular of Enoch may be the son of Cain. So why is it called the Brotherhood of the Snake? Well, that's going to go back to the Garden of Eden. Eve is tempted by the serpent, the snake. And Enoch, son of Cain, is responsible for this oldest secret society known as the Brotherhood of the Snake. It is also this Enoch who is responsible for coming up with the hieroglyphics and was teaching people how to write. And a lot of people think it was actually Enoch, son of Seth, who was doing all of the hieroglyphics and the teaching people how to write. But this is why I say there is so much confusion, because we have two Enochs and not enough detail. And you also see that there is a huge gap in the lineage between Adam and Eve, their three sons, Cain, Abel, and Seth, and then their sons before we get to Enoch. So listen to this. We have Adam and Eve. Eve is tempted by the serpent. She eats the apple. They get kicked out. 
They have their three sons, but at this time, it's only two, Cain and Abel. Cain, being the first murderer, kills his brother Abel, and he is cast into the wilderness. And Adam and Eve go on to have a third son named Seth, who will carry on Adam's bloodline. But now, in Seth's line, it goes, Adam, Seth, Seth's first son, his name is Enos, and his son was Canaan. Canaan's son is Mahalalil. Yeah, try saying that when you're half drunk. Mahalalil. Mahalalil's next son is Jared, and Jared's son is Enoch. Enoch's son is Methuselah, and Methuselah's son is Lamech, who is the father of Noah. So, wow, that is a long time before we get to Enoch, descendant from the Seth line. You have Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalalil, Jared, and then Enoch. And then after that, we have Methuselah, Lamech, who's the father of Noah. But in the case of Cain, it legit goes Adam, Cain. Cain's first son is Enoch. And Cain's first city he built was named after his first son, Enoch. And I do find it curious that the Cain line typically uses a name very similar to the Seth line. And that is probably to cause confusion. Because in Seth's line, you have not only a Mahalalil, you have Methuselah. But you go right across, and Cain's line has a Mahuael and a Methusael. Damn, that is very close. Oh, but now get this. There's two Enochs, one in both lines, and two Lamechs. The Lamech from the Seth line is the father of Noah. The Lamech from the Cain line is the father of Tubal Cain. Yeah, you ever heard of Tubal Cain? A lot of word magic going on here with the Cains. They're the generic version, if you will, of the Seth line. But back to the story. It is Cain's first son, Enoch, who may have written the Book of Enoch. And it was after Cain was sent into the wilderness that he had his kids, the first being Enoch. And it was during this time that the Cain line starts cohorting with the fallen angels. Because Cain, again, was cast away for killing his brother. And he was pissed off, and what he wanted to do was take the seven sacred sciences and distort them. Because God had taught the seven sciences to Adam in the garden, who then taught his sons, Cain, Abel, and eventually Seth, the sacred sciences. But then Cain flipped, obviously, and started to pervert them. And one of the sacred sciences was geometry which is heavily used by these ancient civilizations and secret societies. So the fallen angels and the Nephilim hybrid race were great builders. Which is why you see 
Tubal Cain, being this architect of iron and brass and a great builder. They were obsessed with these sculptures and structures and architecture and symbols and these astronomical works of art. But see, now Cain wanted to create something bigger than God, outside of God. And part of what the Masons are built on is the seven sciences. Grammar, rhetoric, logic, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. God had taught these sciences to Adam in the garden in a way we couldn't understand today. When God gave this to Adam, who later taught it to his sons, it was in the way the universe works. But Cain wanted to show that he could do the sacred sciences better than God. And then we have the coercion between these Cain line descendants and fallen angels. The Nephilim came in around the seventh generation of Cain. And then by the tenth generation of Cain, we get the flood. The inversion of the seven sacred sciences is very important to note because. I think when people imagine the days of Noah before the flood, they think of mud huts or prostitutes with a drinking problem or people just gross and nasty loincloths and all of that. But that's not how it was. They had a vast understanding of geometry, technology, they were making chimeras, they were doing experiments, they had anti-gravity, they were splicing DNA, and the point was the cane line was interbreeding with the fallen angels and then these hybrid beings were also commingling with the cane line and you have all of these gods and demigods and people with magical powers and bird-headed beings and dog-headed beings it was literally hell on earth you guys that's why when god told noah he was perfect in his eyes he wasn't talking about how holy he was he was talking about his DNA. His bloodline was perfect. And it was Noah's bloodline that Jesus was going to come from. So the whole goal of Lucifer in this rebellion was he wanted to corrupt that bloodline so there would be nowhere for Jesus to come from. And as you research these bloodlines going back to the giants, you see that there are two biggies the patriarchal is the dragon and the matriarchal is the fairy and this is where the antichrist will descend from you guys have to understand that the mythology that we've chalked up to be mother goose rhymes and literal fairy tales was probably literal and these were memories not myths you have to understand our technology today is dog shit compared to Atlantis and some of these other ancient civilizations. And these fallen angels were wreaking havoc. 
there was a whole hierarchy of angels. There wasn't just one type of angel. You got cherubs, you got seraphim, you got all different types, and there was a ranking system. There was levels to this shit, okay? Now, the lower ones would have been cherubs and the seraphim, and then there was this whole other type that was called the raphim, and the cherubs were the ones who had bird heads and dog heads and just different kind of animal faces bird faces and dog faces and we see this depicted in ancient Egypt and all types of other cultures from around the world like I said with it being hell on earth literally now the seraphims were the serpent like beings with serpent bodies and human heads like we saw where at Karahan Tepe the being that guards over the blood pit was one of these seraphim lower ranking beings with a serpent's body and a human head. And you also got to think about Quetzalcoatl was a plume serpent, the feathered serpent. And he arrived to the shores of Mexico in a boat with no oars being pulled by two serpents. And again, we could chalk it up to a fairy tale. Or we could just believe them that they were literally telling us what they were looking at. And it was the fallen angels commingling with the human women in creating this race of giant beings and these other cherubs and seraphim beings commingling with human women that we get some of these weird fucking depictions of animal people. And it always goes back to DNA and technology. Very much like what we see going on right now. DNA and technology. Imagine in your mind how they've made Atlantis look. They weren't fucking riding around on camels. They had anti-gravity and advanced technology. This is what we were dealing with in the days of Noah. And going back to the book of Enoch, and Enoch not being the Enoch we thought he was, this actually comes from Freemason lore. The Freemasons have done a great job covering this up too. There were these two guys, James Anderson and George Oliver, upper Freemasons, around the 16 to 1700s. And in their writings, they both talk about Enoch being Cain's son and the one responsible for the book. And this James Anderson and George Oliver had said that their job was to protect the brotherhood of the snake and the Cain-Nephilim bloodlines. And it is said that Enoch hid these tablets or scrolls or symbols or whatever they were in an underground cave that survived the flood. And it's said that Hermes from Egypt is the one who found them and continued the brotherhood of the snake. The fallen angels, they knew the flood was coming and they wanted to preserve the writings of Enoch. And that's not all that probably survived the flood because after the flood, 
you had Noah and other survivors of the flood from around the world. We see it in all type of different ancient cultures. And there were probably survivors in the Cain line after the flood and the giants. A lot of the chimeras and weird shit was wiped out, but there were survivors. And we see later on in the Exodus, when the Israelites fled Egypt, they were told to go into the land of Canaan. And Canaan was occupied literally by giants. So we know that there were survivors. We also see that Nimrod came from the Cain bloodline as well. And he's the one who tried to build the Tower of Babel. So there were definitely survivors. And it was Nimrod who also tried to marry into a Nephilim bloodline because he wanted to be a part of that cult. Now, there is a movie that they made about Noah. And it's that stupid fucking Russell Crowe movie. And they suggest that there was actually stowaways on the Ark. Now, take it or leave it. I don't believe that. But what I do find interesting is how they were pushing a certain narrative in that movie. And you know what? They used the Book of Enoch as their inspiration to make that movie. So it's going right along with my hypothesis that the Book of Enoch could have been written by another Enoch. A lot of people will mention how the Messiah is being prophesized in the Book of Enoch. And that could just be because he was writing down a prophecy that everyone knew. Or, as a warning, the Messiah is coming, just telling you. Who knows? But again... Why do you think it's not in the canon? If you read the writings by these guys, James Anderson and George Oliver, they show the bloodlines from Cain and from Seth. And as I was saying earlier, there's like two of everything. Two Enochs, two Lamechs. They're playing the ultimate long game. More confusion. They are making the name so similar as to mimic Seth's line. That's why, you see, Lamech descended from Seth was the father of Noah. And Lamech descended from Cain is the father of Tubal-Cain. Whoa. Alright? Whoa. But they would like us to believe... That they are the descendants of the gods of old. Which kind of goes along with this magic in their blood thing. And a lot of people think that the elites are reptilians. That they have reptilian blood. I'm going to blow the case wide open on this. I used to think that. That they were lizard people. But let's go back to what I was talking about with the fallen angels. Lucifer has been described as the most beautiful angel, but he also had the ability to project himself in other forms. The serpent. He's able to deceive. They're the ultimate deceivers. They have changeling abilities. 
supernatural power. They were angels. Just because they fell from grace and started the rebellion, it didn't mean that they lost these supernatural gifts. That's why it wouldn't be hard for me to believe that these human women were married to the fallen angels because it said they came down and they took any wife that they wanted. Because they were probably pretty good looking guys. And these fallen angels being spiritual creatures, they could choose any gender they wanted. That's how you get the matriarchal and the patriarchal lines. But the thing was, the pregnancies were 100% fatal for the women because the first wave of the Nephilim hybrid beings were said to be 20 to 30 feet tall. So it was like a scene from Alien where these motherfuckers were bursting out of the bellies. And if they weren't just busting out of there, they were doing these barbaric C-sections to remove the babies. If they went on to be 30 feet tall, you could imagine that the infant would be as tall as I am. So how the fuck were they going to carry that to term? Here's where the plot thickens again. Because these fallen angels were spiritual beings with changeling capabilities, the giants would have also possessed these changeling abilities. So they were able to project themselves or change shapes, shape-shifting, so that they could also intermingle with human women. But that's where you get the idea of these elites being reptilian, because they consider themselves descendant from this Nephilim bloodline. So they can literally shape-shift. They can portray themselves however they want to. They believe that the magic is in the blood and they're special because they have this hybrid blood. It's not about the money. Although it doesn't surprise me, Babylonian money magic, that these motherfuckers would have all the money. But it's about the pedigree. It's about the lineage. And they want to convince us that they are descendant from the gods of old. The men of renown. And they've been setting us up for it forever, from the beginning of time, with the carvings on the walls, the hieroglyphics, the mythologies. They want us to believe that these civilizing heroes that we see in robed figures and Anubis and Horus and these bird-headed beings, that they are descendant from them. But it's nothing more than a deception. They were fallen angels, part of the rebellion led by Lucifer. And going back to the they can present themselves any way that they want. This is where we're getting this big extraterrestrial push. Because not only have they been constantly shoving in our face the idea of we're on a rock flying through space and these gods of old will come back one day. That's why I believe Graham Hancock was invited to do this series on Netflix 
in a lot like ancient aliens those shows woke a lot of people up but then led them down the wrong path because they want you to believe in aliens they want you to believe in space they want you to believe that you're gonna get abducted or that there are men from mars and all of this because it's part of their narrative for when they bring in the dragon messiah they will say that they are descendant from the gods of old and that we should just bend over and take it basically because they're gods among men they're of the pedigree and we aren't so the craft that we see that is some fallen angel technology I need people to get it out of their heads that these were people in mud huts. Atlantis, ancient Egypt, Gobekli Tepe, all of these places, the Great Pyramid in Cholula, they had advanced technology. The craft that we're seeing is fallen angel shit. And what was one of the first crashes that really got people interested in the whole E.T. thing? Roswell. Roswell was a deception. And it was some fallen angel shit because with Roswell, you see this uptick in people believing in UFOs, aliens, and space. Who was someone who worked on the Roswell crash that we've talked about before? Well, it was John Denver's dad. Now, I can't even believe that I'm able to connect to this, but the military arm is working with these fallen, quote-unquote, sons of God. They know what the fuck is going on. That's why this they're okay with us watching Ancient Aliens, because it's part of their plan. Now, John Denver's dad was working for the military and was there for the Roswell crash. And John Denver was one of these plane crash deaths that were so freaking weird and a part of the Laurel Canyon scene with all these other freaks I keep telling you about involved in doing rituals and ceremonies. And we see that one of John Denver's most famous songs, Take Me Home Country Roads, is found in what movie? Alien Covenant. And the part that it plays in Alien Covenant is very significant. It's not just a scene where the song is playing in the background. No. It plays a very specific role in Alien Covenant. And what do we know about the Alien movies? They are used as a part of the MK Ultra programs. They are programming us to believe in the deception of space and aliens. Slow me down, people. I'm slinging straight fire. The whole point in using that specific song with that movie, it's all going back to the biggest deception. The fallen angels are capable of shape-shifting. Now... There was a deal brokered between the UN and somehow Eisenhower was a part of it. And there was basically a deal with the fallen angels that in exchange for human women, they would give us AI and advanced technology. And ever since they've been running around in the world doing whatever they want. 
but they have held up their end of the bargain. We have all type of craft and advanced technology that you and I aren't even aware of yet, but they're rolling it out slowly. This was given to them by these fallen angels. Now, here it comes. These are the same figures we see in the Bible called the Watchers, who in exchange for human women, they gave us advanced technology. The leader of the Watchers, again, was Azazel, who the Book of Enoch damn near romanticizes. And this bloodline is where the Antichrist will descend from. We are still finding, you guys, giant skeletons all over the world. You almost can't argue with me at this point. Red-haired skeletons and giants all over the world. We're still finding them. And you see that the first wave of the hybrid Nephilim beings were 20 and 30 feet tall. But then later on, as they diluted that bloodline, you get Goliath and Gog and Magog. And it's said that they were close to maybe 11 or 13 feet tall. But... Essentially, in the hierarchy, there were fallen angels reproducing with other fallen angel angels, and that's what they call basically like the parent gods. And then you have gods with humans, and that's what would be the demigods. And then those demigods would have children with humans and so on and so forth till you get a more diluted and less physical markers in the genealogy so it's kind of coming down and down and down the line to where there were still some physical markers but not to that degree but we are still finding giant skeletons we know there were survivors after the flood and speaking of finding giant skeletons in america going back to the last episode in these mounds that are all over america the OG mound builders were fallen angels. This is fallen angel technology yet again. And the Native Americans have said that they were there when they got there. The Shawnees say, we protect it, but we didn't build it. This is fallen angel technology. And some researchers and the conspiracy realist community have went to the mounds in Ohio and Louisiana and these other locations and stated, you can feel the charge coming off of these mounds. And they have concluded there were human sacrifices there and it is Nephilim architecture. And to this day, there are still rituals and ceremonies being conducted at these mounds. Covens of witches, all kinds of crazy shit. And they are recharging these sites to open up the gateway. Because it said after the flood, the spirits of the fallen angels were condemned to Tartarus, which is like another dimension. It's not hell, it's like a purgatory. And the only way that they would be able to interact in the physical world would be to enter an empty vessel. That's where you get the greys, these biological empty vessels. That's the greys. They're vehicles for the spirits of the Nephilim to enter. Or they could obviously have descendants, which would have been the Nephilim bloodlines. And the only way to get to Tartarus would be to open the gateway. 
We see gateways all over. I keep telling you guys, the St. Louis Arch, they are opening up those portals and gateways and they're located at these sacred sites because the sacred sites were nothing more than huge monuments to worship these gods and to conduct human sacrifices because the spirits of the Nephilim, they don't eat Outback Steakhouse. No, they need retribution. They need souls the slaughter of the innocent. That's why you get the cannibalism and the bloodletting and the sacrifices. This was the way of the gods. That's Look how crazy the Aztecs got. So, yes, I think that's part of the ET thing as well. They need empty vessels for the disembodied spirits of these fallen angels to enter. But... The AI thing and the hidden technology is also a big piece because we see supernatural phenomenon is seeping out. They're giving us a taste test. AI is literally everywhere now. So I've covered the spiritual aspect, the bloodline aspect, but now it's time to talk about are there giants still existing today? And I believe, yes. There was even a military insider who said that there's all type of giants and different tribes of giants in Afghanistan, still alive, red-haired as ever, with speed and agility, and their fleet of foot and crazy strong, and they have these changeling abilities and superpowers and all this stuff, just like their parents, the fallen angels. Now, I think there are levels to this shit. Like I said, again, these elites go all the way back to the first Nephilim, right? But there still could be tribes existing today because they're making new ones, but they have to remain hidden until the time and they're all going to start running out of the caves and shit. That's a theory, just a theory. But one of the Nephilim tribes was known as the Longnecks because over time with the dilution of the bloodline, they still had these huge fucking elongated skulls. Now, this could have even been a different type of fallen angel, like a cherub or a seraphim. Probably a seraphim in a person, the serpent-like being in the human women, creating these elongated skull motherfuckers. And I told you in the New Orleans episode that these elites think that they are descendants of these elongated skull motherfuckers. And the long neck would make sense because you'd need to have that to balance that huge skull. The Canaanites are inbreeded with the Nephilim. But we see all over the world in ancient culture different names for the fallen angels. Like Anunnaki, fallen angels are all one in the same. These old god mythos, yeah, the heroes, all that. It's all fallen angel. Just different names for it. Now, here's where we're getting into today, in 2023. The Bible says that we will see deceptions, miracles, and wonders. And we have to be ready for these things. Because as it was in the days of Noah, we will want what they have to offer. Forbidden knowledge, advanced technology, superpowers, immortality, 
they will tell us we can be like a god. And that's why we will want the miracles and the wonders and the deceptions. They'll tell us that they're from space. Oh my god! We will legitimately bow down to these beings. And then all the elites will come forth and say, Oh yeah, they're my great, 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 great grandpa. So I'm part of this tribe. And these artifacts that they will offer to us, Mark of the Beast, will be as appealing to us as an apple on a tree. I think a lot of people are looking for something terrifying or something awful and horrible and depraved, but it's not going to be that way. You're going to love it. That's the scary part. So... Speaking on the immortality and the superpowers thing, the elites are looking for immortality because they know their time is short and where they're going after this. And they have a very limited amount of time to pull off this deception. But unlike them, we can ascend and be born again, as the Bible puts it. But the elites are looking for this immortality where the bloodletting and the pedophilia and the sacrifices and the ceremonies come in because that's how they get recharged. They've let the disembodied spirits of the fallen angels enter them. They're probably opening portals so they can interface with them. It's a big fucking mess, okay? But it's always a move and a counter move. God makes a move, they make a counter move. God made a move with the flood, they made a counter move with these hybrid Nephilim beings and the descendants, which we're still fucking having to deal with in 2023. Now, there was a literal book of giants in the book of Enoch, which is where we can get a lot of information from about these watchers and fallen angels and that they were around and what they were up to. Now, it says specifically that the watchers or fallen angels had their own families with humans and animals. Let me read that again. They had their own families with humans and animals. They are trying to corrupt every piece of God's creation. That's what we're talking about with the inversion. So they had the hybrid giant beings, offspring of human and fallen angel. And then we have fallen angels and animals. What do you think those motherfuckers look like? I'll tell you what they look like. And now this is just a theory. But is this where we get cryptids? Are cryptids an offshoot of these angels and animals? And is that why portals are always associated with Bigfoot and Dogman and Mothman? they are able to come and go through these gateways and portals into different dimensions and realities, just like their parents. Think about it. There's no evolution that can get you to a chupacabra. Come on. There's no evolution that can get you to a dog man. A huge serpent in the sea. These cryptids. Let me tell you again. These cryptids are... The product of fallen angel and animal. And we see it right there in the book of the giants. 
Why do you think that there's this big surge all of a sudden to include the Book of Enoch in the canon? Do you think that might be for a reason? Anytime a lot of people get on board with something, you need to question it. I like to zig when everyone zags, and that's what we're doing right here. And it might be the missing piece. Because there is a verse in the Bible that says God can sway a king's heart to his will. So if that is true, the Bible is exactly how it's meant to be presented. And you have to take a step back and know that God is outside the bounds of our comprehension. And yes, maybe we'd like to say, I would put it in there. Or why did they take this out? Or why did they do this? Why did they leave these in and take that out? Listen, it's not, it's not for me to comment on that. But if you believe that God can sway a king's heart to his will, there's probably a reason some of these books were not included. There's also a verse in the Bible that stood out to me and makes way more sense now that I've done this research. And that is, stay within your own race. And he's not talking about colors here, people. He's talking about the human race. Don't be having sex with fallen angels, serpent beings, uh, giant beings, dog-headed beings, and most certainly not animals or anything of the like. Doesn't that make so much more sense now? I'm telling you. We have seen that they try to tell this story, though, in a fairy tale-like way. In books, in kids' movies, in TV shows, and it would be like... Okay, how about this? In the Game of Thrones, right? House of the Dragon. The patriarchal Nephilim bloodline. The elites love to inbreed and be incestuous to keep these bloodlines nice and imbued with the Nephilim DNA. They believe, I'm serious you guys, that the secret of their power is in the bloodline. And the writer of Game of Thrones, much like uh, J.R.R. Tolkien from Lord of the Rings, they were tapped into some shit. They could have been working with or channeling fallen angels. And speaking of movies, you guys need to go, go ahead and just Google this right now. Paramount. The imagery that we see for Paramount is Mount Hermon. Why is that significant? Mount Hermon is the mountain where the fallen angels descended down on. Can Oh my god. So every time you watch a Paramount Pictures film, you've got to first sit and look at the first incursion of the fallen angels. I'm telling you guys. Everything is for a reason. They're playing the ultimate long game on us. So you may be asking yourself right now. So where did these quote unquote gods of old. Or the Nephilim, the Titans, the Atlanteans. Where did they go? After they went around spreading the corrupt sacred sciences, again, we find the answer in the Old Testament. Because it said the Nephilim were here 
before and after the flood. They were in Canaan, who was occupied by giants. And it says that there were a number of giant clans and they weren't all wiped out. David and Goliath. And if we're talking about giants here, I'm David. They do say, though, that these tribes fought amongst each other. They were trying to outdo each other constantly. And just like this story of overthrowing the Titans or the story of Quetzalcoatl being driven out, I do believe humans were responsible for the exile of these gods of old. And maybe they were like, all right, they, we got kicked out. They're fed up with our shit. They're becoming a little bit too enlightened. And then whoop, Jesus comes. And he comes and he gives us authority over these beings. Jesus gave us the authority to cast out demons. And God said that he gives us the authority to cast judgment on the angels. Which is what pissed Lucifer off, among other things, and led to this whole rebellion. And we have forgotten our power. Because everything's been watered down so much... We have forgotten what a supernatural text the Bible is because they want us to believe that we need science and technology and those are our gods. We cannot let these obelisk building motherfuckers pervert our minds. We have to be on the front lines over here. Almost like a call to action for the truth. Not just playing patty cake or ice cream socials. We have to be warriors for the truth. And, you know, just on a side note, and I love my listeners so much, you are my BFFs. But after I do episodes like this, you always message me and ask me, hey, why didn't you include this? Or have you looked into that? And... I'm literally researching like 18 different things right now. I'm not even kidding you. I got JonBenet Ramsey, the Nephilim, Jack the Ripper. I'm watching Ancient Apocalypse and I'm reading um, scripture and trying to put this puzzle together for you all. So if I didn't mention something in this episode, just hold your horses because I've got plenty more information that we will be covering in the next episode where we will be discussing Atlantis the Atlantean civilization, where was it, where did it go, and how can we prove its existence, and a whole lot more really fun information coming up in the next episode, but you'll have to just wait and see. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Of course, I hope you learned a lot of stuff and had a lot of fun, and you don't have to believe any of this, but I'll tell you something right now. These elites believe it, and it's what they do with their belief that should concern us. And on that note, thanks again for listening and I will catch you on the next one.